We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. He's with a man! He's gone to give him out and then he's rubbed his nose. <laughs> yeah. What about to McCullum? Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. He might try and slide one in there. Fast. Yeah. Well, you yeah, called it. It's out. Let's run out. Let's come off yeah. head on no, his head. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't Welcome to SC Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. We're here for the final episode of the, uh, the Supercoach Playbook pre-season edition of the podcast before we get stuck into the real thing. We're less than a week away from game one. We've been waiting for it for months and months. That excited. Squad's still changing all over the place. Uh, a couple of big, big bits of news the last couple of days that we'll get to later in the show, but Aaron Finch expected out around about due, uh, due back around three or four, but no confirmation on that. Certainly expected to miss round one at the Renegades by the sounds of it. Big implications because he's massively owned. Uh, Chris Jordan, the Pommy Quick as well, signing with the Sixers. He'll likely be available for the round one double. Uh, Carlos Brathwaite, not likely available for the tournament by the sounds of it. So uh, big things there. We'll get to them later on. Here to help us discuss it is the one and only Supercoach Spy. Spy, how are you, mate? G'day, boys. Really well, thanks. Um, look, Tom's got away a bit the last couple of weeks, actually. I was driving around for work today listening to the radio, and they were talking about the Gabba Test on Wednesday. I got very excited. Well, Wednesday or Thursday next week, I'm like, you beauty. I don't even know where this coast. And it's summer tomorrow, so cricket's upon us. Uh, be good to have a final chat about things leading into the Big Bash season. Um, it can be quite tricky, not knowing teams and lineups and all the rest, but we'll see what we can do to help uh, help everyone out. That's it, mate. Time absolutely flies at this time of year. Uh, luckily, we have an absolute cricketing genius alongside us to help work out the roles of players inside the predicted lineups. He's done it all. Uh, it is former Sydney Sixers media manager, Cricket Australia commentator, Maxi Bryden. Maxi, how are you, mate? Good, thanks, Timmy. Mate, you may call me a genius. Most will call me a nuffy, but um, <laughs> either way, that is fine. I'm just that excited that it is just around the corner. Bloody love the big bash. Bloody love the test cricket and can't wait to rip in. Uh, that's right, mate. We love you here. So good to have you on board on today's show. Going to attack a few different topics this week. We're going to look at um, how you attack the double game week players versus guns on single game weeks conundrum. Uh, you know, the debate if you pick a Rashid Khan, Rashid Khan, should I say, over someone like a Tom Curran, you know, how many double game weekers are we looking at starting with? That's probably the big question going into round one and something that Everyone has a varying opinion on. There's no right or wrong answer, but we'll do our best to give our thoughts on the issue. Uh, we'll look at the must-haves we think that you have to have in your side, with Aaron Finch being one of them uh, gone now, so that's thrown up another spot in lineups, we believe. We're going to also critique the most owned players in Supercoats, the sort of top 10, 20 there, anyone we're not keen on, or even a few blokes who should be more owned, we think. Uh, and then we're going to finish with, prior to the obviously the, the social questions that have come in throughout the week, It'll be the team reveals of Maxi and the Spy. Uh, break down their sides a little bit, going along with their articles, which will be updated later in the week, uh, and we'll nut through those. Guys, jump into our unlimited group on the official Supercoach site. The code is 764098. For anyone who it's not working for, it's an unlimited group, not a league code. So if it's not working, that's why. Uh, we've got a few prizes up for grabs for the winners. The top-ranked subscriber to SC Playbook wins a BBL game day package for two next season to a game of choice, plus a jersey of choice. The top-ranked non-subscriber wins a BBL game day package next season as well. Boys, let's get stuck into it. I'm going to start with Maxi. We're going to talk about that conundrum of double game week players versus going the guns on a single week. Um, and I suppose the big sort of standout question there, Maxi, is how hard are we attacking double game week players in our round one sides and, and going onwards? Yeah, thanks, Timmy. It's a great question. And I guess the short answer is that you should be going as hard as possible on double game week players. That's really the key when it comes to BBL Supercoach. What you've really got to consider when you're selecting those guys in your teams is a couple of things. Firstly, the, firstly, the fixtures and, and, and who they're matching up against. 
And is there anything favourable um, in their fortune happening in that round? The next is the is the actual draw and what their draw looks like after, particularly um, keeping in mind, do they have a buy immediately? Um, and then the final thing is, are they actually any good? Um, and, you know, you, you don't really want to find yourself loading up on a team like the Melbourne Renegades, for example, early doors, who we just don't know about. We don't know what their home ground's like. We don't know what their 11 e- is going to be like. I think when you, if you talk about a number, and people will always try and um, come together and land on a really specific number for this, I try to land a, a double game week at around six um, at, at a maximum um, from one team. And that's just knowing um, that of those six people, particularly given that most teams will have the buy immediately after their double, there's three guys that you're going to have to pretty much trade um, straight away after that round to people who you know have the have the double the next week. And mate, that's um, obviously that's looking at round one where we've got two sides on the double in the sixes yep. in the heat. Uh, in, in a tougher week, which I'm sure you'll probably get into before I cut you off, but whereas there, there's one side on the double being the strikers, you might have to bring that down mm-hmm. to sort of a number of four. Hey. Yeah, exactly right. And I think that, you know, the, the Sixers are a great team to kind of reflect upon this because unlike other teams, they're sort of defying the rules. The the fantastic thing about the Sixers draw is that round one, they've got the double and then they, they're one of um, only, I think, two teams that don't have a buy throughout the entire BBL season. So you can pick those guys and really safely keep them in your team um, all season or until, you know, they've either made cash or you're sort of ready to trade them out. Um, if I have a look at my team for round one at the moment, um, I've actually got five Sydney Sixers and three Brisbane Heat. And the reason I've loaded it up in that style is that it gives me eight players on the buy, which is a really, really high number. Um, but it also means that Brisbane Heat, with the buy immediately in round two, um, they're going to be most likely my three trades into that round two, uh, into that round two team. So you've really got to keep that in mind. And I think at different times, um, much like in other versions of Supercoach, Clubs will have periods in their draw um, that are definitely in their favour. And a team to keep in mind for this when you're planning as well would be, for example, the Perth Scorchers. They've got the double in round four, but and they don't have the buy straight afterwards. In fact, they don't have the buy until round 11. And even before then, they've got another double in round nine. So realistically, you can load up on them, get, you know, get your three trades the week before to bring in guys from the Perth Scorchers, you could potentially bring in another three people or well, at least one player each week. So then round nine, you've got maybe up to that number eight, um, looking at the Adelaide Strikers as well with a double in that round. And then you've got two rounds to sort of trade them out and make sure that you're sort of maximising that money and that potential in your team. So um, look at your fixture, look at their draw, go hard, um, and you've you you know you've really got to be aggressive with your trades in BBL Supercoach. There's no point stashing cash on your bench given um, the fact that you can max trade yeah, exactly right, mate. Good insider. And just reiterating that that we've spoken about before, um, maximum trades for the season. You don't run out of trades like you do in NRL Supercoach and AFL Supercoach. So use them three wisely each and every single week. But it is plenty to play around with. Spy, what's your take on it, mate? Maxie's just said that he's going very, very hard in the opening week with eight or nine double game week plays. He said he mentioned you want to be having sort of a minimum six. Uh, how many are in your side at the moment to start the season and what's your approach to it all? Yeah, Maxie, having a crack, mate. Good to see you early. I'm not as I'm not as hard as you at the moment. In my current squad, I've got four sixes. Uh, as you mentioned, they're the team to own from. Not only because they've got probably a bit more talent uh, in terms of point scoring across the board for mine, but also the fact they don't have that buy immediately after. So I've got four of those, and I've actually only got two heat players at the moment. What I think I'll do prior to kick off this weekend is uh, basically get one more double game week guy in. But I don't want to do it just for the point, just for no reason, if that makes sense. Mm. I could bring in Maxi Bryant. Um, I'm just not convinced. It's a hit or miss play. He would come out and bash a couple of quick 40s or 50s or he could fail twice, which he's done plenty of times. So I'm not convinced I want someone like that. So I'm happy with an, a minimum of six this weekend, and I would like seven if I can make it happen. But I think I think we'll see. I don't mind having six if I need to and then stacking some real talent around them with guys that have double game weeks coming up pretty shortly anyway. So you get that benefit down the line, and you'll also have that flexibility to not have to trade them in in a couple of weeks. So it can sort of it can swing both ways in the benefits, and I think that's why it's so hard to nail down the exact formula. Everyone could be different. There's no sort of 
there's no set way to do it, which is good. I think that variety is really solid. Uh, something I'm certainly look at doing is I want to have at least three guns on the double. Uh, so in this case, I've got Philippi, Tom Curran, and um, Majibul Rahman from Brisbane, who are all real star quality. And then if I need to, I can then just flip them to three guns for round two as well, and so on right through the tournament. So you've always got at least three superstars or upper echelon guys to get you those maximum points. Because I just feel if you get if you maximise too many guys around the 100k mark, they might all fail in the double and then you get nothing out of it. So I think you rely on those stars and sort of proofs in the pudding in their history. Uh, thoughts on that, Maxi boy? Yes, but you've touched on something really, really um, crucial there in terms of not getting trapped with um, guys who are in that sort of mid to low range category who aren't sort of got to take cash. So um, the, the basic theory of the double game week is look for the best batter and look for the best bowler from that club um, and make sure that you've got them from the double. That's sort of the most conservative um, and, and traditional way that you can do it and, and, and often the way for, for success. Um, and, you know, and look at that. I think the other thing as well is sort of looking at that draw um, at least three or four weeks ahead um, and just loosely identifying who you think those players are from the clubs with the double in that round who are the best batter and best bowler and then finding a way that you can trade to those guys. So round two, for example, Adelaide Strikers have got the, the double best bowler, Rashid Khan, you know, with, without question. Um, you you just have to have him. Um, and uh, best best batter would be arguably Jake Weatherall um, from the players that they'll have available to them. So um, kind of find your way from that part, uh, plot your way from, from there basically. Um, another thing I just wanted to kind of look at when you're looking at those mid-range guys, the other way to go about it is if you think or if you're uh, boyish on the role that they're going to play. And I think that this is where a guy like Ben Menenti um, – for me, is potentially worth a punt. Um, just sort of seeing a couple of the injuries at the Sixers, we've sort of spoken about him on the last couple of podcasts. I'm pretty confident that he'll have a, a decent role to play at the Sydney Sixers, getting at least three, if not four, overs um, in the double game week per match, um, if not more. Um, he's cheap, he's affordable, uh, he could get points. And I guess the, the best thing with a double game week is that um, you do get two bites at the cherry, which is, of course, why we love him so much. Yeah, that's it, mate. Uh, and someone like Menenti is excellent in that case because he's not going to cost you too much money. So even if he's not playing too much after the first double game week, you can put him on your bench and you don't have to worry about him too much. Whereas if you have a guy at 130K and he's not doing much for you, you're probably stuck playing him for potentially multiple weeks, which you don't want. So as you said, just plot out those first three or four weeks. It's pretty easy to do. You can go something like three Brisbane guys to three Adelaide guys to three of the next double game week guys and just, just see if you can afford it. You can go Uraman mm. to Rashid Khan and then have a look at who else you want uh, and if you need to play around with that at all there. Maxi, is with these, uh, when we look at uh, auto-emergency looping, the guys that probably initially come to mind and that have been spoken about regularly throughout the Supercoach community are you guys like, I mean, they, they were guys like Aaron Finch before we knew that he was probably missing round one, Usman Kwaj before he got selected in the international side. Um are you better off going one of these mid-rangers such as Menenti or a Dan Hughes who there's a bit of uncertainty around where he bats in the order? Are you better off using them as your AE loop? If they do well in the first game, you can just initiate bringing your Josh Carl or something like that and loop them as opposed to a more traditional guy such as a Finch or a Kawaja? No, I'd say that you're definitely better off doing it with those more traditional players. Um with a guy like Dan Hughes, for example, um, if he was part of my squad in a single game week, then absolutely he's loop material. Um, but in a double, you've just got to try and um, back them that even if they fail in game one, um, they do have the opportunity to to, to right the ship um, in game two. And and that's always been the case with batters in Supercoach. And um, he's a perfect example. His, his value is only low, 78K. Um, there's been some really good analysis on the site this week, just sort of saying he only had um, one or two decent scores. And his average, once you remove those, was as low as 20, um, which is fair enough too. But um, giving him two opportunities, um, given that he's in decent form so far in Shields, is, is enough for me to sort of take the punt on on a guy who um, traditionally I'd, I'd try to not have in my team. 
Yeah. And the other thing about Hughes, as we spoke about before, we think he'll be playing a more prominent role this season. Hopefully yeah. batting at three, but I'm thinking Moe Enriquez at three, Dan Hughes at four, but still should get a pretty decent opportunity there. I think he's about 78k, which is bargain price. Guys, if you're enjoying the content so far from SC Playbook and you want more and you wanted to support the site, you can access our premium content with our subscription. $20 for the BBL content for the season, $40 for our full package, which will cover the NRL, AFL, and BBL content across the next 12 months for you. Uh, we give you access to plenty of extra articles, the subscriber special podcast, um, the better prizes, plenty of different things. So check that out if you are interested. Boys, let's move on to our second topic of the show. It might be a short topic. It might be a long topic. We're about to find out. Uh, but it's the guys that uh, the genuine must-haves that we think, you know, need to be in your side at the start of the season. And must-haves, it's, it's an interesting term because everyone has a different opinion on what, or what a must-have is or what percentage of coaches need to have them to be a must-have or their roles. Um, but I think it'll make life a little bit easier, particularly for the rookie super coaches who might be listening to this podcast a day or two before the game. They don't have time to throw in their teams before they um, get on the booze or whatever on the weekend. So if we can help them with three or four players just to lock them into your side and work around that, I think it'll make life a little bit easier. Spy, I'll start with you, mate. Any genuine must-haves this season? Yeah, it's a bit like NRL season in that I don't think there's ever must-haves. But in saying that, with the doubles in the BBL, I think you want to have at least three guns where possible. And by guns, I've just put it as over 170K. So in this case, I would have Tom Curran, Josh Philippi, who's about 177, and Majib Ul-Rahman. If you stick those three guys in your side for the first round, uh, surely they're going to give you good points and a good base to work with. So they're, they're my three. Maxi, I'll get your thoughts on that. And is there? do you agree that them three are must-haves and then elaborate any others that you think are must-haves to start the season? Yeah, I do think there are must-haves. Um, you can be really brave and sort of buck the trend, but um, a guy like Josh Phillippe is already in 60% of teams because not only is he the best keeper bat and potentially best bat in the competition, but just having that double game week, um, it's just it's very, very, very bold um, if you're prepared to, um, to antipod him as well. Um, but I might have a little bit more on that later, speaking cryptically. Um, the, the only guy that I'd, I'd add to that conversation, again, just on that theory, best bat, best bowl, um, looking at the Brisbane Heat lineup, their best batter is Chris Lynn um, by the length of the straight. Um, and I originally hadn't considered him in my team because, frankly, he's burned me that many times in the past in, uh, in BBL Supercoach. Um, but listening to Tom O'Aiken um, talk so eloquently on the podcast a couple of weeks ago when we did the preview just really made me look his direction. So um, at the moment, um, he's who I've got locked in. Um, realistically, from my starting team um, of the 11, I want to have as many people uh, in that 11 with double game weeks in the, fir- in the, in the next three rounds. That'll really mean that when when I'm not only maximising those three strikers that'll come into my side um, next week, uh, there'll be at least a couple more already. So when you're looking at must-haves, the only other person I'd really strongly consider for round one, um, if you can make the budget stretch, then um, you need to get Rashid Khan into your team. Um, I originally didn't have him, but the more I've thought about it, he's got the Renegades, they're absolutely on their hands and knees in terms of batting talent. Um, the, the sheds are bare. Who knows what the pitch is going to play like down at Marvel Stadium. Um, the double in round two, I think he's a must-have and he will be in my team for mm. round one. I've got some really interesting stats around a few blokes that you fellas just mentioned then uh, in Mujib and Chris Lynn coming up in our next topic, which will take plenty of interest, I think. Uh, I'm with you in Rashid Khan. I've I've seen a lot of coaches avoiding him and just waiting till round two to get him. I think I mentioned it last week, the week before, but you know he's a tick under 200k, so he's not absurdly priced. Although he's obviously topper echelon of the uh, elite tier of, of price range, but I just think when it's an, an inevitable trade for you in round two, just get him in, and if he goes nuts in round one, you can bank those points. If he does go nuts and go up 20 or 30K, he can save a bit of money as well. Um, he's a tough, tough guy to death, right? So just get him in for that round. Maxi, again, we touched on cheapies last week, but must-haves, in my opinion, or traditionally in Supercoach world, uh, there's a few cheapies that have good roles mm. for round one and they're just guys that you have to have in your team. And as we said, Aaron Finch was one of those guys, but now we think he may not be available to round three or four. You probably cut him out. Mate, are there any cheapies 
there seems to be a lot of cheapy options that could be hit or miss. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any sort of rock-solid ones that you have to have in your team, or do you disagree? Yeah, look, I, I think that um, when you're looking at guys, um, cheapies, as we said in last week's pod, roll first is, is, is what you need. And um, the two best cheapies uh, to start round one with the best rolls, um, Matt Jilks and Harry Nielsen, um, uh, without a doubt there. Potentially Joel Paris as well if he is fit to play um, and does get selected. Those guys will um, uh, two keeper bats. Jilks will open the batting for the Sydney Thunder, only 62.5K. Um, Harry Nielsen, 76.2K. Um, was a rumour swirling this afternoon that um, Alex Carey had been given the nod to keep for Australia in the Test Series, given that we've seen Josh Inglis jump on a plane um, with his Scorchers teammates and head back to WA. Um, so that would mean that Nielsen's job security um, has just become, you know, very, very concrete. Um, so uh, those two, I, I would say, are really safe guys that you can have in your team. Um, and um, the only other guy I think who's a, who's a decent cheapie to keep an eye on now, um, not not a must-have, but a big watch this week, I guess, on Matt Renshaw, given um, the form he showed at Adelaide Oval, which will be his home ground for, for mm-hmm. Brisbane in the one-day cup just passed. But Nielsen, Jilks, I think they've, um, they've got to be in your team. Spy Aaron Finch, uh, we touched on him, 52.8% ownership for good reason. I think he might be the second most owned player or thereabouts. Now that yeah, so we, we think he's out to round three or four, he's got to drop out of your teams until he plays, doesn't he? Or is he, is he a guy that you know that he won't be far away, you're happy to keep him there and free up cash elsewhere? Look, I guess, and I'll have a good look at this before it starts, but you could use him as your non-player if you wanted in those first few weeks, uh, knowing he'll come in and potentially make cash later. But I think with the non-players, to utilise that auto-emergency loop with the skippers, mm. you probably just want to lock someone in who you think won't play all year. I don't know what your boys' thoughts are on that, but you don't want to get stuck one week with a full side and then your vice-captain goes bananas and you can't use it. So, yeah, Finch is probably a, an avoid for now and you can – even get a free look at him maybe then the first game back to see how he is and you can bring him in as required, but certainly not a must by any means. And, yeah, I'd probably for an AE that, that is set just to not play the whole season. What are you doing with uh, Finch, Maxie? Uh, for me right now, he's still in my side and I don't mind carrying one NPR, but I'll, I'll need to get a better read, I guess, on his injury status. Um, I think for me, boys, this is actually the week to keep your eyes open for probably going to be your favorite player as in the guy that you can loop with. Um, this week will be the week that we hear a lot about those replacement players joining the Brisbane Heat, for example, um, to replace their guys in the Australia A team um, and all those other clubs as well. What we're talking about is 42.K rookies, hopefully bat bowl, who after um, a, a game or two uh, won't even be in their team squads anymore because the, the guys that they've replaced will have returned. Um, they're the best guys to have in your club to get not only the VC loophole but your bat or bowl loopholes. So keep your eyes out for those cheapy hunters because you know that's that's your Christmas coming early right there. Spot. Just quickly on just quickly on Finch boys, uh, I haven't gone through the schedule as such lately. But if you don't start him in your side and he comes back, say round three, for example, looks really good, then you're going to have to use one of your three trades potentially to get him in, which would cost you a double game week player from that week. So maybe it is worth just starting with him. Yeah, good shout, boys. That leads into our next topic nicely. We're going to go through the most owned players in Supercoach and have a little bit of a chat about them. Uh, and the guys we think deserve their ownership, a few guys maybe that we could look at antipodding, et cetera, et cetera. And the one I'm going to start with at 26.8% ownership, uh, Maxi, this one's for you. It's Seb Gotch. Now, that's obviously people looking to AE loop him, and the fact that he's a dual wicketkeeper batsman, uh, mate, he looks a decent alternative to Josh Kahn. Maybe you can run both of them, but if you're running both of them and then you you've got, might have Aaron Finch sitting there as well, you definitely don't want to be starting the season with three blokes uh, who aren't taking mm. the field early. What are your thoughts on Seb Gotch and what are your thoughts on him as an, an alternative to Josh Khan? Look, the wicketkeeper is the best and safest place to be pulling off your VC loophole um, and your emergency loophole. There's no doubt about it, um, and a lot of people would have learnt that last year. <laughs> Shout oh, out yeah, to I should, uh, I should also Burtis. say, sorry to cut you off, that uh, Gotch... Uh, expected to be out for the majority of the tournament with injury, yeah? Mm. 
Yep, yeah, absolutely. He's got a he's got a dud finger, and um, I believe he was replaced by Peter Neville, uh, who has also subsequently hurt his finger. So keep your eyes out for the third replacement that the they'll life of a keeper. Yeah, that, that they'll announce shortly. But look, um, look, keeper's a great spot to loop for for VC um uh, and and emergency loopholes as well. Um, I like to have at least three wicket keepers because you can just also then rotate between your um, reserves in the batting and wicket keeper stakes. Um, do I like doing it this early in the season with Gotch? No, I don't. Um, I think that particularly given the fact that um, there is Nielsen, there is Jilks, who can also play that position starting at the same price, who who, who should make money, uh, I'd much rather go down that route to start the season for sure. Mm. Yeah, fair play. Fellas, I'll rattle off just a few well, – f- I'll rattle off a few of the bigger names who are massively owned over sort of 35 40%. Uh, and I, I think it's pretty hard to disagree with any of these guys that I'll name now. Uh, but let me know if you think there's an antipod opportunity on any of them. So we've got Philippi at 61%, Maxi at 55%, the big Stoying, 46%, Rashid Khan, 45%. I've got Josh Khan at 43 for different purposes there. Matty Rentals at 41 We'll get to him in a minute. We'll get to a few others in a minute. Darcy Short, 36%. Spy, mate, it'd be hard to knock any of the names I just mentioned there. Certainly can't knock any of them except that classic thing, you can't afford them all, especially they're all expensive. So in my instance at the moment, I don't have Glenn Maxwell in because I've got Rashid Khan and then I've got some some prices, some salary cap, if you will, tied up over in some guns that play the double week. Maxwell will, of course, come in pretty quickly for that, uh, the Melbourne double in, might be round three or something from memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, you can't have them all, so you've got to probably pick one to avoid unless you're going to stack up and have less double game week, guys. Uh, there's Daniel Sams there as well who's expensive. So, I mean, you can't have them all, can you? So, at this stage, no Maxi for me because I've got Rashid there instead. I think you're a lunatic starting without Maxi. I know a lot aren't, but uh, <laughs> seriously, Maxi, first like picked in my side just about. Hey, here's another for you just to put a line through if you've got them in your side at the moment. Well, you don't have to. You, you do do as you please with your <coughs> super coach team, but... Uh, Mitchie Marsh is very heavily owned still. Matt Renshaw's 41.5%. Ashton Agar, 25%. Brathwaite, who is now uh, believed to be out of the whole tournament, and English, 17%. All of them except for Brathwaite. All in Australia, eh, duties. And I just, I mean, none of them are really cheap as such. Matty Renshaw's pretty cheap, but just get them in when they return from Oz A duty. Uh, I don't think you, you need to carry them, even if it is saving trade later on, Spy. Yeah, look, maybe I am, just back to what you said before, maybe I am a lunatic not having Maxi, in which case uh, Big Marcus Stoinis would have to go for me, but I also need to find 35k, so it's an interesting one. You're not alone, mate. There's 44% of coaches that are in the same boat as you. Now, here are the the interesting ones in the top top sort of 20-odd owned plays in Supercoach that caught my eye, and I'll throw straight to you, Maxi, because I know he's a guy that you weren't very keen on early in the season, despite the fact he's on the opening and double. It's Jimmy Pearson at 24.2%. Uh, that's fairly popular. I mean, keeping for the heat up there, opening round double, uh, have you, has your opinion changed on him at all? No, absolutely not, and nothing could make a change, to be honest. Um, you just don't pick middle-order batters in this game. So uh, unless there's signs in a practice match that Pearson's going to be opening the batting, um, that's just a waste of a spot. And, and, and obviously, we will free up a lot of money, but there's just there's just every chance in the world that um, he won't have enough time to bat in the game to score runs. So, um, yeah, look elsewhere. Don't, don't, don't pick Jimmy Pearson. Here are two guys that you both named separately as must-haves in the topic before it's chris lynn at just 31.9 percent and mujib at 17.6 percent ownership which are so so low i thought they'd be so much more particularly mujib obviously that 208k price tag is scaring people off spy what are your thoughts on that it gets me excited as an owner of both of those players that they're you know pretty pretty low ownership considering yeah i don't have lynn as we speak but I have just checked. He plays at Monica and Optus Stadium. They're two pretty good batting decks, so that's that's concerning. Maybe I will have to drop one of one of my guys like Darcy Short. But I think the beauty of cricket, BBL fantasy this year, it's there's just so many different ways to do it. Um, I think a lot of the sides are going to be quite different, and that's going to be the beauty of it. But yeah, no Lin at the moment, uh, and I'm certainly not against him. Again, you just kind of can't have everyone. And look, Maxi Mujib, we know, has that elite economy rate. He racked up a few mm. more wickets last season. Uh, was very good over at the T20 World Cup. 
I suppose it's the price tag scaring people off him. While I think he's very low ownership, I guess that's the argument in starting without Mujib there. And, mate, Chris Lynn, you know, I see him in a pretty similar, almost identical mould to Philippi there. And, you know, you're, you're playing with fire by not starting when you're around one side. What are your thoughts on their two ownerships? Yeah, I would have expected um, Linz to be a tick higher just because not only um, his ability but also just his popularity in general. Um, you think about the Big Bash, you think you think Chris Lynn. Um, but but obviously people are sort of cluing on to the fact that um, a guy who only bats is is just has come with a bit of um bit of a risk there. Um, I think that the the matchups are good. The grounds are good. Um, his form in grade cricket so far sort of hasn't set the world alight. So sort of bit of a watch there. Majib is the interesting one for me. Um, I think that people just still don't know a lot about him. But um, there's a reason he's that expensive. Um, and I think that at his age, he's just only going to continue to get better. Um, and he's basically going to be coming up against two teams in the Sydney Thunder and the Perth Scorchers, who are missing a lot of talent from their top order. There we know Usman Khawaja, no Ollie Davies, no Mitch Marsh, no Josh Inglis um, in both both of those teams. Um, and there's every chance that he can cause carnage um, in the double. So um, I think that not only he should be in your team, but um, he should be a really, really good shout to put the C on um, if your VC from the Sixers doesn't do well. Yeah, especially when you see him at 17.6% ownership, you're thinking not only have you have got a pod in your team who's a gun on a double game week, but then you can have a pod captain as well. Uh, and you just touched on it there, but another one probably more for sort of rookie super coaches out there or even a few guns who might overlook it. Make sure your vice captain is on a Sixers player who's on the double because they play the first game in the round, the heat on their double play afterwards. So captain someone there. Uh, if your Sixers player goes nuts, you can VC loop them easy and get a free crack at your double captaincy there. A spy, one of your boys, another one at very low ownership, I thought. Granted, he's not in my team, but James Vince, who you're quite a big fan of. I think he was the second top run scorer. Might have been, I think second top run scorer last BBL. James Vince, 12.7% opening the bat for the Sixers on their opening round double. What are your thoughts? Yeah, he went mental in the back end of last year. Really, really found his feet and, uh, and his confidence as well. I think he might have nearly scored a ton in the in the final maxis. Couple that of nineties, right? yeah. yeah. In the final, he scored nineties. Yeah, he was on fire, and I don't know. I had a quick look at his form in England, which I think was okay. Um, nothing to sort of nothing to worry me off him, but I just think on the back of last year, I'm just going to ride that momentum for the first first double game week and, and see where we land, especially at that price. It's not. It is a bit of coin, but it's not overly expensive either. Maxi, another quite polarising one to start the season is Jack Wildermuth at only 12.6%. And polarising, I think, because there's uncertainty over his role. Uh, you know, the call-ups to the Australia A-teams helped his role substantially. We mm. know what he's capable of on his day in Supercoach and in just general cricket. Um, mate... There's also a little bit of uncertainty over the Australia A team with borders and COVIDs and all sorts of things. So there's a little bit of hesitancy towards Wildermuth. But, mate, 155K, uh, the handicappers haven't missed him there. Is he a guy you think should be more high ownership? Or let's say we could assure him, which we can't do, of a better role with bat and ball, um, which could happen in that depleted heat outfit. What are your thoughts on Wildermuth? I really like him. Um, I think he's a good player and I think he was pretty hard done by in, in last year's season to sort of eventually find himself out of uh, the Brisbane Heat's best 11. I think the the only worrying thing about him um, is that his form hasn't been that great. Um, he's He hasn't done that well for Queensland in the, in the Shield matches and the One Day Cup that have gone on recently. Um, but look, big watch on him. Um, he should be pretty much the senior bowler apart from Mujib um, in the Brisbane Heat double for their games, given who's out, and um, should bat at number seven and, and, and can give it a whack. So um, he's not in my team currently, but there is a, uh, there's, a, there's definitely a chance that he could find, uh, find his way in there at some point. Yeah. If tell you what, Maxie. Line, it's a pretty seriously good role for him. Sorry, Spite. No, you're right. Tell you what, boys. He is... To me, from the little I've seen of him last year, he looks a serious talent. As you say, he's a really mm. good bowler. He's a wicket taker. He can hit a ball a country mile and score fast. But again, it's that question around roll. I mean, batting at seven, you want to hope he gets a crack if you're going to put him in. Um, and then this, the one that scares me off is just lack of form. You want blokes in form. I think that's a super coach must for yeah. almost any sport in the world. You want blokes in form. 
Uh, otherwise, it's potentially going to be no good for you. Guys, if you like a punt, check out topsport.com.au, home of the best same-game multi in the business. It's an absolute belter where the odds actually add up. Uh, a rare thing in same-game multis these days across other companies. If you're a big punter that gets barred from bookies, they also look after the big punters as well, so they, uh, they won't be too worried about them if you dust them up. We'll be previewing their markets throughout the BBL season starting this week. Uh, hopefully, we'll do the same there. If you're keen to link up, use the code SC Playbook, 18 plus only, gamble responsibly. Boys, let's jump into your teams, and we won't go through every single player in it. I've just asked you to both give me three interesting additions to your sides. There might be pods, antipods, a left field captaincy you're going with for round one, whatnot. Um, Spy, I'll start with you. Who do you like? And the other thing I want to ask you is are there any sort of. Actually, you know what? I'll get to that in a minute. Who are the three that you like? Well, I don't know if I've actually done three because I've got a few topics we're about to get to, but I do have a massive pod play. And I'm going to wait to get a bit more info later in the week. But Aaron Hardy from the Perth Scorchers, 100K, batsman bowl. He scored 96 off about 40 balls last weekend, I think it was, uh, over in WA. And it might have been great cricket, but we know he's in form and we know he's a good bowler. So I'll have a good a good look at his form. And as you said, it's all about roll. But he's a massive pod play for me. Just just someone out of the box that might get a bit of a jump start on others. Um, Maxi, you're our man here. Is his role likely to include batting and bowling or where's he at there? It's a bit of a watch on him just given that um, he is recovering from off-season surgery. Damn it. Um, you're right. <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're, you're actually right to call out his batting because um, you know early on in the four, he came um, to, to prevalence because of his, his bowling. But um, since he's been injured in the last sort of 12 months, his batting has just gone to another level. He's been tearing up great cricket um, over, in, over in WA. I think that he's most likely to play a similar role like what Cameron Green did two seasons ago before he made his, he's made his way into the test team, which was bat six. And if he is fit, um, he, he might bowl one or two. But look, he's he's good enough to get into that um, that eleven as a batter alone at the moment. Okay, good to know. Uh, big questions though. If it's one or two overs, it's probably someone I'll avoid. But yeah, interesting stuff there. Spy, anyone else there, mate? Yeah, I've got. Um, we've sort of already spoken about it, but a couple of antipods would be Chris Lynn. Uh, Maxwell at this stage. I don't know how, how owned Dan Christian is, but I don't have him in at this stage. Just question marks around his role, but we know what he can do. He's given a chance. Um, just, again, big decisions. I'll do that classic sit-down week leading into it. A few days out, I'll sit down and go through and do a real good planning session to see what I want to go with, um, and we'll, we'll know more after that. But at, that, at this stage, they're not in my side. And mm. while I'm here... Just want to shout out to Alex Hales because he is a weapon. <laughs> uh, his numbers in in England recently were ludicrous again. His form in the back half of last year, he actually helped revive my season a bit. So there's a bit of love towards him. He started out maybe a little bit slow, but then once he gets going, he scores fast and he scores big. So that's someone I'd love to bring in. But at his price, I'm not sure it can be from round one, but he'd be good to own. Mm, very much so. Geez, exciting about having your team, but also, as we know, with soul batters, it uh, comes at huge risk if they do not deliver. Uh, we'll have a full spy team reveal later in the week for you. He's done it earlier, but it'll be significantly updated once we answer a few more questions and he sorts out his headaches. Hey, Maxi, we haven't seen your team yet. Uh, it'll also be coming later in the week. Who are the three interesting additions that you've got in your side at the moment? And are there any sort of headaches, dilemmas that you're really still struggling with? Yeah, absolutely. Look, the, the big mover and shaker this week has been Chris Jordan uh, joining the Sydney Sixers for the double game week. Um, for me, looking at his price, 148K, he's just come straight in for Dan Christian. He, he's a bowler only, so he doesn't give you that all-round of flexibility, but he's over 30 grand cheaper um, and has allowed me to, to upgrade elsewhere. Um, the other guy I really like at the moment uh, from the Adelaide Strikers is George Garten. I've got the double in round two, so just gives that extra player that you can load up for um, in that round. Bat bowl, 125K. It's almost a bit of a um, bittersweet selection because uh, I think he will bat number seven for the Adelaide Strikers, but given how weak their batting is likely to be without Head, Carey, um, and a, a third international, which they'd sort of declined to, to sign at this point, um, there's every chance that he faces um, a, a fair amount of balls down at number seven to add to his uh, left arm quick bowling. So a um, bit of a smoky, don't know a lot about him. i uh, only seen a few clips on YouTube, but I, I think he, I'm taking a bit of a punt on him so far. 
Um, probably the other guy of interest, my third one, is uh, James Baisley. Um, everyone would remember him. Uh, just huge, lurch-looking character, six foot eight from um, up in Brisbane. Uh, bat bowl, 96.5K. Um, had a bit of a watch on him during the one-day cup match just passed in South Australia. Looked like he'd added a yard of pace, um, and those from last year would remember that he can um, certainly hit a long ball. He's one of the beneficiaries of the uh, outs for the Brisbane Heat should bat number eight and bowl um, his four overs in their double game week. So going to try and take a punt on him. Could backfire because he's definitely not the type of guy I traditionally like, but at the moment he's in my side. Maxi George Garden is a really interesting one you've got there. There's always... Probably more so batsmen than bowlers, but there's always a little bit of hesitancy to go for Englishmen coming down under sort of the first time. You know, you generally want to get a look at them. You're obviously getting in ahead of that round two double, and uh, there's a lot of risk associated with it in the fact that he was good enough to get a start for the Royal Challengers in the most recent IPL. He didn't do much there. He was okay economically, but I think he took three wickets in six games or something. He didn't bat until nine there. Um, mm. So you know, you'd really hope he's – when you're taking a gamble, the fact that he may bat down the order a little bit more, um, in saying that, when you're looking at their side, guys like Siddle and Wes Agar behind him, there's not too much – batting ability in their bowling attack that will line up for round one. So he shouldn't be too far down, but I do see it as a very interesting choice when we can have a look at him ahead of the double. Yeah, look, you're right. Um, and I think that traditionally English players have struggled to to adapt as quickly as we would like. But I think for me, I'll always take a guy who bowls his four overs. And I think within this lineup, um, you'll get that from him. So at a minimum, you're probably looking at 20 or 30 points just with dot balls um, and economy rate bonus. And if he jags a wicket, then um, you know that's that's even better. Um, but having said that, look, it's not too much more money than his 125k to get yourself to a Siddle or Agar, who are both in the 140ks. Um, but just given that he's bat bowl, I, I really like that. It just gives my team a bit more flexibility when I'm thinking about trades in the future. Um, and look at his low ownership. I'm, I, I'm. It's a it, for me. It's a it's a punt. I'm I'm ready to take for now. I like it, mate. And. I mean, it's good. There's there's quite a there's a fair few unique players we're seeing in super coach sides, and a fair bit of uh, teams are looking pretty different, which is always exciting. Despite the fact that there are two sides on the double to start the season, um, but anyway, exciting going ahead. Anyway, boys, let's get into a few questions before we wrap it up. As I said, we will have the boys' sides team reveals on the the site later on in the week. Um, if we don't get to your questions now or other questions crop up later in the week, for our subscribers, we've got the subscriber special podcast. We'll record that probably Thursday or Friday, so make sure you get them in there. Uh, I think it's the story with Adam Zamper on it on the website. That'll be up there all week, so get them in there, and one or two of us will jump onto that subscriber special podcast and answer those for you, and we get a bit more of an idea throughout the week ahead of round one. Uh, and the first one is from BBL Legends Facebook group, uh, absolute cracking group, great Great spot for Supercoach to come together and have a little bit of a chat about all things Supercoach BBL. The question is, stri- uh, is the strikers have the round two double game. How many would you want to start in your round one side to get ahead? How many have you got in yours at the moment, Maxi? Right now I've got three. Um, actually, no, four, but that includes um, Harry Nielsen as an emergency on my bench um, and Renshaw, who I'm toying with leaving in the in the side as a, as a bowl bat for flexibility, uh, even though I know he won't be available until mm. probably round four at the earliest. Um, I, I think for me, you've just got to really make sure that you've got bench cover. Um, Garten and Rashid Khan are my other two. So um, it's really, really good that I've got them. Um, I will look to bring in uh, at least Jake Weatherald and, and um, probably a Siddle or Wes Agar uh, next round uh, as well to, to take that number even higher. Um, but but for me, it's I'm just really keen to, to just get a vibe from them in the first game and just see if they're any good. Um, because, you know, it's one thing to bring in uh, lots of people on a double game week, but it's not that much fun if they're a crap team and they're not going to score any points for you. So um, as a total number, I think that I will probably be playing uh, five or six in the round two double game week. 
Mate, I'm playing the devil's, devil's advocate here a little bit with you looking to start Renshaw, but we saw what he did in the Marsh Cup, which, I mean, it's only going to translate somewhat to his test credentials, but we know Australia are after a number five bat at the moment. We've seen a few blokes put their hand up, particularly Chubby Head in recent weeks. Let's say he comes out in the Australia A game, Renshaw, and belts a ton or 150 or something. Um, is there a chance that he gets called up to hang around that the Australian squad and all of a sudden you're stuck with this bloke who's not playing until around six or seven? Um, you know, am I being a little bit too critical or what are your thoughts? No, absolutely. Look, it's it's a it's a really genuine risk, but I, I think the the only thing in his favour within that scenario is just being a bat bowl just gives it that little bit more flexibility. Um, I'll have at least three bat bowls up in my batters that I can um, rotate with him uh, around potentially, as well as having um, a couple of other keepers. So um, I, I will have flexibility on the bench to to cover that possible scenario. Um, and look, having said this, I. He doesn't have the, the greatest role in Supercoach. You'd expect when he is available for Adelaide, he's probably going to bat uh, around that number four. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think it's realistic to expect that he'll he'll bowl more than one over a game, if that at all. Um, but for his price and, and, and sort of showing a bit of form, a couple of years ago he was a genuinely decent Supercoach player for the, for the mm. Brisbane Heat. So I'm just banking on the fact that um, he seems a much happier player than the guy last year who was, I think, left out of the Queensland uh, side at times. Um, so if he can make me 30K, score a few points, you don't have to play him every week, but um, he's a decent enough bench option. Yeah, nice, mate. Uh, if only there were points for happiness in Supercoach, you'd be an absolute walking <laughs> side and captain every week, according to that, Maxi. But no, I like your chat there, as always. Question for you, Spy, from Aidan Bryan. No relation, I dare say. Not the namesake of, of a legendary Irish horse trainer. What is one player to target from the strikers to start in round one on field? He said, not Rashid Khan, someone else. Who do you like there, Spy? Ooh, booming question. Um... Probably, we've mentioned before, but Jake Weatherwood's always a good option. He, you know he's going to bat for him. He'll get two cracks that he scores fast and can go large. So I like, quite like Jakey. You know he's settled for his role. Someone I've just brought in, he actually scared me a bit, Maxie. He had, I had zero strikers in my side at the start of this podcast. I now have two. So I'm just sitting on my phone, amend, sitting on my phone amending my side as we chat. Um, and it sounds like Harry Nielsen could be a good thing at that price. So I'm going to start with him and Rashid Khan over Maxwell. So I've got two. But, yeah, maybe Jakey Weatherill, who I can't quite afford at this stage. But I think he'd be a nice, nice bloke to start with. And I'll tell you what, Wes Agar bowled well last year as well. So he might be an option, option to stick in. Question from Paul Templeman going straight to our Sydney Sixers man, Maxi. Am I better off going with Hayden Kerr instead of Daniel Hughes so that I can have Ashton Agar on my bench ready to go for round three or four? Mate, uh, in your predicted teams, I didn't see any Hayden Kerr. Yeah, Hayden Kerr is one who's probably come from the clouds a little bit uh, of late just with the injury injury to Ben Dorsius. Um, looms as a, a potential replacement there um, and probably jostling between um, himself and, and Lloyd Pope um, uh, for, the, for a final position in the 11. Um, having said that, uh, he's a he's an all rounder, which is which is good for Super Coach. But I don't see him um, necessarily being required for his full allotment of overs, um, or even a bat. Just given that I think the Sixers would likely um, play the likes of um, Dan Christian, Tom Curran, even maybe Chris Jordan um, ahead of him um, with the Willow. So I would definitely be going for Dan Hughes, just given that his role um, within the top three or four batters um, is, is assured. Um, he just, just I think his point scoring potential is, is a lot better. Um, and Agar as a bench player, holding him for um, up to three rounds with that Australia A. Um, he's 98k, so he's not cheap. So I'd like to think that you could potentially do something with that cash. There you go, Dan the man for Maxi. Question from Luke Richo. It's a question that Maxi's already had a say on. Uh, I'll get your thoughts, Spy. Richo asks. <coughs> Hi, lads. Jordan over Christian. Saves 40-odd K. Jordan's at 148 K. Even if he's only here for five rounds, he'll probably flip him to Stoyness or Zampa before round three. What are your thoughts, Spy? Christian's the one who's, again, pretty polarising due to sort of role, how many overs will he bowl, how high will he bat, etc. Uh, is going Jordan over Christian a good call for you or would you go with the proven all-rounder in Australia? 
Well, normally to Luke Richard's questions, I'm saying Captain Turbo because it's NRL and he loves a good question <laughs> NRL. But in the BBL, yeah, I mean, everything I'm hearing about Jordan makes sense. Um, apparently also fields long on the boundary, so that's great for catchers. He's going to bowl the death overs, so he's someone you got to got to look seriously at. Um, and for that price, you might find you can really inc- improve your squad elsewhere if you do that. So I'm certainly not against it. Absolutely not. Lucky last question, and I'll get both your thoughts on this because, again, Max, he's got a couple of them in his side. Uh, I currently have none of them from Steve Soden. Please rate in order of buyers. Jordan from the Sixers, Garten and Kelly from the Scorchers as pod starting options. Maxie? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I like Jordan. I'm um, I'm pretty big on him just given he's got the double game week um, and he is you know a proven player. Um, I think I think in this form of the game, uh, and it was already sort of come out that he'll he'll likely take on the death bowling role shared in, in uh, tandem with, with Tom Curran, which we know is a, is a role that we like. Um, Garten's the big unknown, but you know potentially worth the risk. Um, Matt Kelly is a guy that I'm actually very big on, um, and is certainly a, a pod at one percent ownership worth considering. Um, and that's for two reasons. Firstly, I think he's got pretty good job security over there in Perth, 101k, um, and he should have at least to start the season um, that death bowling role uh, in place of Jai Richardson, who last year um, performed that very fruitfully. Now, Kelly, I think, uh, started last year um, at quite a premium price. He was about 155k from from memory. Um, and last year had a, had a different role uh, and was sort of in and out of the side just given their team. So he's a very sneaky option and one that I would probably pl- potentially place above Garten. Um, the only thing with Garten is that bat-bowl flexibility, but big watch on Matt Kelly. Um, I will, I, I'd gladly start him in my team uh, to start the season as well. Mm, spy, mate, it's a hard act to follow following Maxi with answers <coughs> like that. So I'm glad I run the show and just get to pick and choose when I speak. What's your order, Jordan, Garten, and Kelly? Yeah, well, the easy answer is I'll just say uh, I agree with Maxi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, we've spoken about Jordan. I think he's got to be your number one just because he has the double first up. Uh, just having a quick look at Garten's stats, who I had a look at a few weeks ago. I just can't fully remember now. So in T20, his bowling's pretty good. Good wicket taker. That's a little bit as well. Yeah, Garden's not bad, is he? Um, <laughs> and then Kelly, if he's, <laughs> yeah, if he's, um, they're all probably pretty handy, but I just don't know if I can fit Garten or Kelly at this stage. But I would go Jordan just purely because he's got the double to start. Then he can move into others and then look, take a punt on the other two. I have no real opinion on either. If you give me a few days, I'm sure I'll know a bit more about them. But it sounds like they can both be pretty handy for their respective sides. Um, you know what? Number two is Garten because he's got the he's got the double in round two. So that's that, that's my answer there. Yeah, nice mate. Garden's definitely a wait to round two for me. Let's just have a look what the Pommy can do in Aussie conditions, uh, boys. That's it for our final episode of the SPA Book preseason podcast. We'll be back next week for a preview going into round two. Spy, thank you, mate. Thanks, boys. Real good again. Cheers, Maxi. Pleasure, Tim. Pleasure, Spy. Thanks for all the listeners for tuning in as well. All right, thanks, guys. Cheers.